My agency has increased through me becoming a more independent learner. I have a better understanding of who I am as a learner and as I know my strengths and growth areas. I also understand my best learning environment and know what what things help me learn best. My problem solving skills have also improved. Welcome to this special series on learner agency, a defining feature in the emerging future of schools. I'm your host, Luca Parry, and in this collaboration between The Learning Future and the Association of Independent Schools of South Australia, we orbit 10 lessons shared by global education expert, Charlie Ledbeater. This is episode five, Teacher Buy-In. Charlie, it's great to have you here with us. We'd love for you to just anchor us into this idea of getting teacher buy-in as we try to elevate and activate agency in our school communities. What, what should we be thinking about? Well, the most important thing is to think that agency is about teachers, not just about students. And so it's hard for students to gain agency unless teachers also have agency and show agency and model it and create situations in which they themselves feel capable of making judgments, taking initiatives, so on and so forth. I mean, a different way to think about it is that resistance is often a sign that change is starting to be real. And so one should expect resistance, scepticism, uncertainty mainly, I suppose, particularly amongst people who feel that their sort of security and identity is putting, putting at risk. And so um, it's important to understand the different elements of that. Is it outright opposition, which it rarely is? It's much more usually doubt about their capacity to do something or a worry about losing a sense of um, identity or security. And so it's important to understand what the economist Herb Simon called the rhetoric of reaction. And that is that often we invoke these rhetorics of change that, oh, this is too risky, or it's futile because it won't really work, or there's no point, or it will have perverse effects. Or simply that story that we tell ourselves over and over again, which is, I don't have the time, I'm under too much pressure, so on and so forth. So it's really important to understand what those narratives are and then to open up different narratives about what you can do, what the opportunity is, why it's needed, why now, and to make it easy for teachers to understand how to create the steps for them to do it. and to understand that the most important lesson, I suppose, is going to come from students in a way, helping to show them it can happen. And from other teachers seeing it as part of a sort of community of practice. And I suppose encouraging teachers, more teachers to cross a sort of threshold into a different way of doing it. I remember one of the schools, it might've been Westminster, in fact, talking about a, a a teacher who was initially very skeptical of this approach to agency um, and saying that encouraging students to take the lead in learning was robbing him of his opportunity to be a teacher, to inspire and instruct and for students to get it. And how after a little while he had come round to the view that actually seeing students become more fully engaged was much, much more satisfying. Um, but it required him to gain a different kind of satisfaction from his role. And it's that kind of experience and story 
which is vital, I think, in schools to create this new narrative about learning, a narrative which is structured around opportunity um, rather than instruction. Thank you so much for that, Charlie. Uh, we've got three fantastic practitioners here, and so I'm going to ask them all to invite themselves and give us a little sense of where they're coming from. Hi, my name's Nathan Grierson. I'm a Year 4 teacher at Bethany Christian School. We are a Christian school located in the northern suburbs of Adelaide, a very culturally diverse part of Adelaide, and I'd say our school population is also quite diverse socioeconomically. We have roughly 600 students from ELC to Year 6, it's great to be here. Fantastic. Great to have you here. Thank you, Nathan. Hi, I'm Eleanor Waterford, and I'm from Mount Barker Waldorf School, which is up in the beautiful Adelaide Hills. And we have children from kindergarten through to year 12. Fantastic. Thank you for being here. Um, my name is Andrea Sherwood, and I am the Director of Learning at Westminster School. So that's a ELC to year 12 co-educational co independent school in New Marion, or in Marion, uh, in the south of the uh, state. Fantastic. Um, thank you to the three of you for coming in after a big day of teaching um, in schools. Uh, I want to start with you first, Andrea. You know, give us a sense around this journey of building teacher buy-in. You know, this is a multi-year process. Give us a sense of where you started. As you say, Luca, we are in the third year of this student agency project um, with Asa and, and Charlie. And um, well, I mean, to be honest, we first got into this program because we had identified that um, our wonderful students, and they are simply delightful, um, certainly when they leave year 12, um, were very compliant. Um, and at the end of the day, we found that we were complaining that they didn't have any thought processes to help themselves out when they got into trouble. We're a very relational school. We, we talk about relationships all the time. We talk about well-being. Uh, and then suddenly, for all sorts of reasons, students were falling in a heap and didn't seem to have any capacity to pull themselves out of it until you know the pressure was really on in year 12. So mm. we we wondered if we wondered why that was and we identified that um, maybe because of the demographic there's a little bit of cotton wooling going on um, but also um, how we were teaching them uh, expectations were high and were we perhaps shielding them from failure uh, and that resulted in them them, them being um, beautiful kids wanting, what's the right answer? Yeah. How do I go about this? Please give me more, tell me what to do. And we know that the world's not like that. Yeah. We, we know um, many of us at school are, are studying our masters at the moment, it's near completion or some are completed. And lots of people have done units on this type of thing, future thinking, future, what the world wants from um, future citizens. And obviously we've had the Australian curriculum for a good 10 years now with its, its aims embedded about being you know, excellent learners and confident individuals and, and concepts like that. And we're on a journey of how to get our student, students there. So when we, we came across um, this project with ASA, we leapt on it because we knew it was exactly what we wanted uh, for our students. So we've really ridden the wave of this three-year project um, and, and started a brand new Year 7 program based around student agency. Um, and so we're now at the end of our second year going into our third. And um, yeah, so just, yeah, it, we've, we've revolutionised what we've done with our new um, Year 7 cohort. And we're, so that, that's really what I'm here to talk about, I guess, and mm. how students are changing um, and how we're seeing a difference between the year eight that we've had in the past and the year, seven, year eight that we have now, given that they've um, completed our year seven program. So 
sort of kind of different thoughts and aspirations about how they go about things. And mm. at the end of the day, they're improved problem solving skills and resilience. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to coming back and delving into that a bit more in particular about how when you revolutionise anything, there's going to be a suite of challenges that come with that. So um, thank you for that grounding. Uh, um, Ellen, I would go to you. Give us a sense as well, you know, with the school up there in the Adelaide Hills, Mount Barker Waldorf, where did you start on this journey and where have you gotten to so far? Mm, it's really interesting to hear some overlaps already. So we had a similar picture of very able, confident, creative students, but not necessarily stepping forward with as much initiative as we might have liked. Um, we actually began as a mixed group from across the school. So we had student support, we had primary school, we had high school teachers. Um, and what we've ended up with at the end of this three-year project is actually all high school teachers. So that could be part mm. of our story about teacher buy-in later on, Interesting. Um, or at least our experience. Um, but it, it's been a, a really interesting sort of organic process that's evolved and it went in directions we didn't anticipate um, and partially helped by the whole COVID situation, which certainly helped with teacher buy-in in a hurry. Um, but it's just, it's allowed us to expand what it is that we do. Mm, that's great. Give us a, actually, we'll, we'll go to Nathan as well, because we get a kind of a collective understanding and then we'll delve into the, what's the, what's the same and what's different. Yeah, where, where have you started um, out there at Bethany, Nathan, as a team? Yeah, so I think if I was to speak into our journey, I probably will focus on the teacher's side of things in that um, predating even this project, I felt like looking back in hindsight, our leadership was probably taking us on a bit of a strategic journey. I don't want to say secretly, but <laughs> probably more implicitly. Mm. And it was giving teachers some experiences that were raising questions that were probably making us feel a little uncomfortable and I can relate to that because I was one of those teachers. This was before I was even involved in this project. So in particular, an example of that, students were asked what they would like to do for an end of year event. And traditionally we've done a concert and our concerts are quite spectacular and a lot of work and energy goes into them. Mm. And that all got flipped on its head and it turned into what we call a festival where students were given the opportunity to basically choose any area of interest and create a project either by themselves or collaboratively with others and then showcase that at this festival for parents, visitors, other students to all experience at once. And that was probably quite confronting for teachers because there were so many questions that were raised and mm. it, it felt uncomfortable because a little bit of control was being taken away. Interesting. And, um, it probably forced levels of collaboration between teacher and student that hadn't been there before and also between staff in different ways because we were dealing with areas that even sit outside the curriculum at our school. And what we discovered from these sorts of experiences were, even though they were collective experiences and I can say they were successful, there was still probably a level of apprehension and reluctance moving forward mm. into more of that type of work to, to see students expressing their agency in more diverse ways. So I think in balance to that, our leadership brought myself and another teacher, a year one teacher, on to this project. And I think that was to be a voice and an advocate for teaching staff in the classroom, but also 
we were given half a day a week to just, well, we were told to play, so to explore, wow. to plan, to basically figure out how could we get teachers on board. And being teachers ourselves, we were really just figuring what we themselves. needed ourselves yeah. Yeah. and then thinking about, okay, how do we permeate this through our staff? So we started that journey with some simple research. We asked our teaching staff, what, what do they know about agency? How do they feel about it? What are some of their current practices that we've used as a school, like design thinking, and are they using those? Or what's the buzz, social skills, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Things that really do um, lean into an agency. And from that, it became very clear that maybe the implicit um, message from those early experiences was not being perceived the same from staff. And so for us, we saw there's a real need for education around language, mm -hmm. um, agency as a philosophy. I think really we, we'd approached agency as a product Interesting. with some implicit philosophy. Yeah. And it felt like we needed to dial back to what is agency as a philosophy? Mm. Let's get some shared language and where does it fit in teaching? And as part of that, we used a couple of Charlie's papers, the problem solvers and learning to make a difference, just to get some shared language and just to see teachers start to go, ah, oh, that makes a bit more sense now. We've got some, some frameworks and grounding for this. Mm. But as part of those early um, PD sessions, we we took the time to acknowledge where good practice was already happening, practice that does lead to expressions of agency. And we asked each teacher and PLT team and then class to create something called a profile, a bit like if you were to receive a trading card and you flip it over right. and you see all the stats and info about that particular character or person. Yeah. We wanted each teacher, each PLT and each class to consider what is it about them that makes them them in terms of their strengths, what do they bring, mm. what do they offer? And then also, what are your goals that you have that you'd like to work towards? And that, that was a really valuable experience and it allowed teachers to see, maybe I am already doing some things that are great and it's now looking at the things that I want to improve on further. Mm. Gosh, that's great. I mean, it's, it links into some of our earlier conversations as well around, you know, the intersection between and interrelationship actually between philosophy, practice and product which is really wonderful. And, and on a previous podcast, we had Aaron as well, your colleague, you know, talk about a little bit about this journey. If you go from a conference that's very controlled and very performative to this kind of co-designed environment. And, and it's interesting to hear you kind of reflect on this teacher buy-in and, and the journey there. Um, and, you know, the strategic, not secret, <laughs> ways that leadership might be kind of guiding because it's, it's who, who do we want to be as educators? Uh, and some of Charlie's reflections earlier you know, in terms of the idea of thinking ourselves as educators, not as teachers necessarily or instructors, but as designers or architects or activators, as protagonists, I think is such a wonderful reflection. Um, I wanted to come back to, great, thank you so much, Nathan. Um, yeah, it's great to hear again, you know, some of that piece around taking it from a, a conference performance into this idea of a co-design festival where students are actually you know, the creators and the owners of, of the event as well. Um, Eleanor, we'll come to you. Tell us a bit more about the challenges that you've experienced as well across across this multi-year journey. Mm, it's been really interesting. Um, one of the early ones that we had was having a team that was spread across the school. So actually developing a common language, common vision, even just a common project was really difficult. 
Um, so it was interesting to see that organically it ended up being high school teachers. And once we sort of um, found ourselves in one area, we were much more able to focus our attentions and, and listen to, a, you know, a cohesive body of students, which helped us to get started, I think. Mm. Um, and that was my story, Charlie, that you shared about the teacher that um, was initially really sceptical. And he said to me, you're robbing me of the aha moment. Yeah, That's wow. what I do this job for. You know, what are you leaving me with? Um, and he gave, he rang me up one day late at night. This is not a teacher that ever rings me. And I missed the call and I thought, oh, God, what's happened? And I rang him straight back and he said, I just have to tell you, I've changed my mind. Oh, it wow. works. Yeah. Um, so at some of those sort of, you have like a burst through where suddenly you have a new teacher on board as well. Um, but also certainly focusing on an area really helped. Mm. Oh, I, I love that so much, Eleanor. And Charlie, it reminds us of a previous conversation about a portal moment. You know, where we as teachers, just like as learners, kind of step through this portal and you kind of transport yourself into a new understanding of what your role might be. Um, it's just such a, it's a wonderful narrative, Ella. Thanks for sharing that. Um, and Andrea as well, let's just delve into, you know, use the language of revolutionising, right? Um, which can sometimes feel a little scary and pick up some of the pieces that Charlie's talking about, about resistance. What do you mean revolution? I mean, there's the chaos, it's anarchy. Take us, take us through the challenges and how you've navigated them as well around the teachers themselves in this, in this, in this process. So thanks. It's really interesting um, to hear um, what Charlie was saying just then, because I, I think every one of those emotions and feelings has been felt by the team um, that is our student agency team at Westminster, the world after the word uncomfortable mm. comes to mind. So we heard from Charlie right at the start of the process about um, is it a philosophy, is it a product, what, what are you, is it a program, what, are, what is, is it that you're trying to do? And the team, which was a, an across-school team, we, we have lost a couple of people and unfortunately they were in our prep school, um, it did initially start as across the school and we really wanted it to be that way so that we... We made a decision together, um, the team of eight, that it would be a product, that we that we would initially see what it looked like to take a group of teachers on a journey and take a group of students on a journey, just a you know, one cohort, to see what it looks like to, to, to affect some change and then how some would push down, if you like, to the lower, push that philosophy out once we kind of discovered what it was. And then others would kind of move that up the school as the students move through the school. Um, and, yeah, so the word uncomfortable mm. comes to mind because uh, exactly as my colleagues have said here, uh, there was a range of feelings. So some people felt right from the start it was impossible and mm. were just going through the motions as it were. Some people were deeply invested in it. Some people new to the team have been more invested than we ever thought possible and that was a real learning for me because I maybe didn't have an open mindset myself to the capacity of teachers to take on board um, this new way of delivering and mm. co-constructing curriculum. So an important message would be don't self-sabotage by having a, a closed mindset to it. Um, there was a reason that we kept it small and that, that was so that we could, in a way, perfect um, the team. But what's clearly come about is that's just never going to happen sure. because the team is made up of very different people and some will not move past that point of I'm in it, my class, mm -hmm. my content, 
um, my skills, this is what they need to have. I've got my year 12 product in mind when I'm, you know, talking to these kids and teaching these kids. And some are absolutely, particularly primary colleagues, are absolutely able to see in front of them um, students, not subjects. Mm. And then it becomes a world of possibility. I love that. Charlie, any, any reflections from you here about some of this narrative? You know, the idea of taking a product approach, be it the Bethany example of the end of term concert being completely reimagined as a festival and the kind of discomfort that comes from that. Um, and, you know, the reflections as well from Andrea and Eleanor, this idea that, you know, we are part of this system. It's also our mindset that matters as we try to do this work. And I don't even know if teacher buy-in is even the kind of framing that that might be spoken about. It's like it's teachers choosing choosing it themselves somehow. I'm not sure. What's your reflections at this point? Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that um, uh, I it just shows you the power of story and narrative that I can remember that story that Eleanor told about that teacher and that aha moment. I think he was was he a maths teacher, Eleanor? Yes. Yeah, he was a maths teacher. And and that 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 kind of story can sort of contain so much, can't it, about identity relationship, a moment of realization and opening out. And you know, it takes less than a minute to tell and it can capture so much. And um obviously it meant so much to him. And so I do think there is this sense of people crossing a threshold mm. and choosing to step into something. Um, which is really important and sort of leading one another to make that step. And so I think then Nathan's story, I think, tells you that you have to step into uncertainty in order to be creative and sort of stepping into what is uncertain and sort of embracing that, welcoming that is a, is a condition of actually being creative. And that brings, as Andrea says, that brings with it um, a sense of being uncomfortable um, and so unless you're prepared for that, it's not going to really work. And so what sort of struck me really about what Andrea was saying was two things. One was how emotional this is. So we think it's about subjects and timetables and stuff like that. But it's actually, it's full of feeling, as all learning is, full of feeling. Um, and it is about feeling that you're worried uncertain anxious you know and so understanding those feelings is really important and then as she says this this danger of sort of self-sabotaging that in a way you how often do we play to low expectations um how often do we you know we set ourselves expectations that will allow us to to feel comfortable but not achieve as much as we we might and so there is something about setting higher expectations which which also challenge us which i think is really important part of the process um but i would underline that 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 you know it's all this stuff has a sort of emotional dimension to it which unless you address that you're not going to really get people to change i, I it makes me reflect on this sentiment Charlie, that, that I've heard, we've heard, you know, you have to win the heart to change the mind. I think it's a really lovely way to think about, you know, the, the work of change is emotional because it impacts our identity. Um, I know I, I want you to pick up on that as well in a moment. I just want to go back to the practitioners and give us a sense of 
because Charlie's talked about this sense of uncertainty and creativity, you know, just like change comes from delving into uncertainty to be able to trust that, you know, maybe we can do something in a different way. What's a moment that surprised you um, as you think kind of where to next in this work as well? Um, honestly, I think what surprised me is the commitment of the team. So even though we have lost a member of staff along the way, just simply because she changed schools, um, that the rest of the team are quite cohesive. Um, and there's never, even though we have rowed and uh, <laughs> disagreed yeah. uh, about where to go next, um, there's never been a sense that it's too hard. Mm-hmm. So the team is the team and they're, they're incredibly proud of what they're doing and they see incrementally that um, they're making a difference and, and the children are helping with that, students are helping with that. But it, so yeah, it, it and and the new people, particularly the new people who have become so dedicated to this our way of rolling out this particular program. Mm. Um, never once has anyone said I'd really rather not. Um, they particularly in COVID, because when you're running a, a program that's new and you've on lockdown and everything's on your learning management system and you're doing it remotely, there was never a sense that. I think we'll just put that to one side for the moment and we won't do that because the team felt if we're, if we're doing anything, you know, students need, when they're at home, students need to have a greater sense of agency because it's that self-control over their learning. They haven't got anything else. So if they're alone, and some of them were home alone, um, then this is when the skills pick up and, yeah. and the students reflect, okay, this is what they're talking about. So. And it's a great to have a shared language to be able to say to students, right, this is this is where we're at. Well, where do you, if, if this is not working for you, where do you think we should go next with this? Yeah. And so that, absolutely, the dedication, and, and particularly of the new members of the team that have been kind of steeped in the, this philosophy, I think, um, of this small group, um, has really surprised me, and, and it's been great to see. Quick follow-up, Andrea, where to next? if we're having this conversation in a few years' time. Yes, so, well, we're a year behind, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, this was the plan for um, last year and then obviously COVID hit. We, we had great plans for another group, another pod of people to um, be brought into the fold, as it were, so that the philosophy is rolled out and it's mm. no longer just our program and this product. But, but really there were other things we had to do. So that's really been the work of this year is to work with certain teams to say okay this is where we see this being built on as these year sevens come through into year eight and then um, working with our deputies in in the the primary school to kind of push that down that way Mm. (laughs) um Mm -hmm. to to get some some programs running there so that they they can feel it can't be all things to all people all the time but yeah, so, so making links. And we are piggybacking on some other programs that we're running also with that or taking part in with ASA, like the Transforming Learning Project, mm. to also set up um, some, some professional learning communities. And that this has only really been on the back of uh, this work that we've done with the Student Agency Project to say this is how some team, this is how a team has worked. Yeah, great. And we'd like to emulate that with other teams and we're allowing them to pick their theme so it doesn't have to be a student agency, mm. but we want them to explore and experiment and row and argue and, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. pick it apart in, in other areas of our school. So, yeah. so really that's that's our, our plan. I love it. I, I, I love the piece where you said, you know, it's really cohesive 
a team, uh, even though we've rowed and argued. And I feel like it's because of the rows and arguments that you've got the cohesion because you've got the trust. And that sounds like a wonderful journey. Um, Elena, give us a bit of a sense as well. You know, anything surprised you? Where to next? Mm, um, the surprise, we haven't done a process or a product really. We made a space. Right. And it, it's been really surprising just what is possible when you make space for the students. Um, it took a lot of trust on our part to listen, to stand back. Um, and in terms of like teaching teachers not to intervene, like actually not to interrupt, but, but give them that space. So the greatest surprise is being seen, you know, what is possible. Um, and I think that's something that will continue to evolve. Um, also to see the community of, of teachers that's developed through it, because we've become almost not quite an observer, but we've become secondary to the learning experience in that environment. And that's been really interesting, but it's also really bonded us in terms of like, we're standing on the edge talking about pedagogy, you're observing the quiet student or providing the prompt that's needed to get them back on task again, and then stepping back again. Mm. Um, so that was surprising. We didn't expect that at all. Um, in fact, I'd say we've almost reached the point where they've become a little bit too passive for teachers now um, because they really believe in the process, which is just, <laughs> that's how far we've come. It's amazing. Um, so in terms of where to, um, we're now, like, having focused the project in the high school, we can now scale it. Um, doesn't mean it's going to be the same thing, but we believe in ourselves and we believe in the process of, of creating space and listening to students in terms of developing other new things. Mm. So we're, we're actually developing a middle school at the moment. We've co-constructed the whole process this year. We've been, um, we had a working group of parents, students, teachers, leadership, and we've been working out, you know, how do we want to be with each other? How are we going to do this learning thing, whatever that is? Mm. Um, and so the where to is, yeah, who knows where we'll end up. That's actually, that's actually a great answer. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Into the uncertainty we go. Um, Nathan, as well, just some remarks on you. Um, anything that surprised you on this journey and, and where to next? Well, we're picking up on this sense of increased community amongst staff and students. Something that surprised me was a staff meeting in term one of week five. So I'll, I'll get to it. But one of the things that resonated with me from Charlie's lesson, he mentioned this idea that when, when you're exploring this sort of work, the immune system of the traditional approach will kick in. And that just really struck a chord with me, this idea of an immune system and how an immune system works and responds to what it perceives as attack. And, mm. and so this level of discomfort that has sometimes come out of some of this work that we've been doing has seen that immune system kick in again. So we, we find it easy to slide back into that. Um, quite, quite recently, I experienced this time. I have a three-year-old daughter and she's lovely but she's going through some real behavioural development at the moment. Sure. And so knowing that as her parents, we can sit with her in that, but her response to this time of neural pruning and figuring out her place as a little person in this world is often a major tantrum to kick and scream and just go crazy. Now, as a parent, my response can be to argue and fight with her, and it never goes well. Yeah. So that's not an option. Another one is to remove myself. But what we found is the best thing is to sit with her through that, yeah. walk with her 
in that in those moments. And as I was sitting there the other night in her room with her, I just had this picture that as teachers, we are so much like this ourselves. We are, for want of a better term, the three-year-old inside. We're just better at hiding it. And we have different ways that we um, put up our defences to deal with these challenges that we're facing. Mm. And so there's parallels there between teacher and student. There's parallels there between staff and staff, how we support one another through those experiences. So leading to the thing that surprised me was uh, as a, a team, Amelia and myself, who have been given the time to work on this agency work, we wanted to set teachers some challenges and we wanted them to be short, to be tangible, and some accountability building where there would be some sharing of what you've actually tried. So in some of our initial professional development together, we, we asked staff to reflect on, we called it a spark reflection. Mm-hmm. What's something that when you think about your practice, it could be something that um, you see potentially. Yeah. It could be something that really niggles or frustrates you that I've always done this, but I don't know why. It's not the way I would like it to be or students don't seem to be getting what they should out of it. Anything at all. And we asked them as a professional learning team to choose one thing and to action a plan into that thing. So make a plan together, implement and trial it over four weeks and mm-hmm. then you're ready to share in staff meeting week five. So in the lead up to that, I managed to have a couple of conversations here and there with staff. And there was definitely... And this is not a dig, but that three-year-old response of, oh, you're asking me to do another thing, to add another thing to the plate. This, this perception that agency is another thing to add, it's not necessarily something that goes through what we do. But by the time we got to the staff meeting, I was really not sure what we would get. Yeah. But as each PLT got up and shared, it was just this wonderful time of creativity and inspiration and teacher agency mm. in action. So um, I won't get in trouble for this, but generally a Tuesday afternoon staff meeting is not the best, <laughs> you know, enjoyable time. But this one, I spoke to so many teachers who came away yeah. from that meeting just feeling energised, feeling like, oh, I, I am doing this and we're doing this and we're in this community learning how to do this together. So I probably shouldn't have been surprised by it, but... I was. Yeah. And so thinking about what's next, we really plan to have more of that, more of that sharing, even at an individual level from particular staff members, but also in professional learning teams coming together regularly with what have you been trying? This attitude of what's the worst thing that can happen if we do try something? Yeah. So let's just go for it. We might learn. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have one final question for all of you, which is what piece of advice you would give. But I just want to go to you, Charlie. Do you want to pull any any themes that have come out from those fantastic stories shared? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm just struck again by this um, how how emotionally engaged teachers need to become to do this, and we need to engage their emotions. So there is a way of of coming to work isn't there in any job which is about sort of just showing up and sort of fitting in with the routine and to some extent sort of hiding yourself in a way in that I mean you're there but you're not there and um, I was struck by Andreas um, Eleanor saying um, talking about how we wanted to be with this 
And actually that echoes what Nathan's saying about sitting with it in a way, which is sort of actually sort of being with it, being present with it. Um, but how much, um, how much teaching is about relationships and it's how relational it is amongst teachers as well as amongst with students. So the, the really important sense in which this is team co-commitment, community of practice, it's not individual, it's about sharing with one another, it's about encouraging one another and creating a more relational space in which teachers are with one another. And then filling out filling out sort of more ambitious, more optimistic, more opportunity-driven roles. So I'm also struck by Eleanor talking about almost they're becoming too passive, that in a way, whether that's a sort of stepping stone. So we're leaving behind mm. something old, but maybe not yet fully stepping into something new because we haven't fully found it. And the new is about facilitation, coaching, a different kind of energy, but it's not passive. It's not just standing by and letting the students do it. There's, there's some other role in that. And um, I'm, I think I mentioned to the schools in the course of the programme, the work of um, this academic, Kaminia Abara at the London Business School, who talks about when people are shifting their working identity. And she says that often when, <clears throat> when people think about shifting their working identity, they, they stop being one thing. So they stop being a banker and they become a care worker or something dramatic like that. But mm -hmm. they go from being one thing to being another thing. And Ibarra says that the, um, the uh, sort of conventional assumption is that people look inside themselves and they find a different them that they want to bring out. Actually, she says it's not like that at all. Most people shift their identity by going outwards and exploring and trying out different aspects to themselves. She says that in this process, there's often a period where people are lingering between identities. So they know they want to leave something behind, but they're not yet quite clear what the new identity is. And so you can find people stepping back or kind of, you know, being passive before they're able then to fully step forward. And so there is that constant, this sense of stepping over the threshold is not a one-time thing. It's a sort of, you know, it's something you've got to do continually to 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 resolve that sense of lingering between identity to find a different and new identity i think that in their in their different ways that's what all these schools are describing is yeah. teachers finding a new identity that's fantastic charlie um oh, issues of identity authority status in you know inner meets outer you know some wonderful themes that have been picked up here so to the three practitioners here, what is your piece of advice that you would give to a school or an educator or a team that want to undertake this this work in their context? Nathan, we'll go to you first. I would say be prepared for the long haul. So none of this work is quick. If, if we talk about the preferred future, that's a journey. Yeah. And I think journeys are better experienced with others for multiple reasons. And so there needs to be constant two-way dialogue with staff, with students. Uh, the other thing I would say is I don't believe this work can be directed purely from top down. There needs to be the bottom up from students, but there also needs to be some of the middle out mm. from your actual classroom teachers. So hearing from them and do that in a way where you're walking together and you've got the language of invitation, come on this journey and help build 
something with us. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Fantastic. Thank you, Nathan. Eleanor? Um, I'd say story is important. Um, it helps us to understand ourselves and where we're hoping to get to. We imagined um, becoming scuba divers a little bit strangely, perhaps. But if we um, teach the children to scuba dive and introduce them to the ocean, they may discover things that we haven't planned on, um, but certainly will, through relationship, be developing interest in the world, which is one of our aims. And our greatest hope um, going into the future is that we can continue to learn from them. So developing that active interest from the teachers so that we are actually co-creating learning into the future. Oh, fantastic. Andrea? I agree with both of you. I think... Um, what Charlie was describing there about teachers moving from over the threshold, um, he's described what, what we at Westminster have embraced, which is the VUCA world. You know, it's volatile, it's uncertain, complex, ambiguous, and teachers hate that. They hate that. Um, and the job is really hard already. So um, that try, we have, have had to help them understand that that is the world that we are sending young people out into. So if they don't model it and if they can't handle it, then how can young people be expected to handle it? So it, it's been that journey, So, but supporting them along the way. So it's very much been organic from the ground up. I mean, yeah. obviously we got involved because leadership asked us to, but they have given us the time and the space to discuss. They've given us that time for you know, someone to, mm. for us to have, uh, have these meetings. Um, so it's about um, understanding that it is a really tricky yeah. journey. Any change is hard and there's always implementation dips, but stick with it. Um, and I would agree with both of my colleagues here is don't forget to share the journey along the way because it can seem that the team is everything. But if you do want teacher buy-in and you are planning on a philosophy, then you have got to find ways to share your work and, and, and the learnings that you've got. And the narrative session that um, we did with Charlie um, was great for us to sit down as a team and, and go, okay, what is the narrative? If we were trying to explain to somebody else, what would we say? Yeah. And we, we constructed that and led a meeting on that, which did help other people to try and understand that journey we're on. So for me, it would be embrace it, um, understand that it's hard and support the team and, and don't forget to share along the way, the, the highs and the lows. And maybe if we do it right, we can enjoy ourselves as well in this, in this world of uncertainty that we step into. Uh, an enormous thank you to you, Andrea, Eleanor and Nathan for joining us. And of course, Charlie as well for lesson five of teacher buy-in. Thank you very much. 